Hi, this is Craig Valentine, host of Early to Rise Radio. Have you ever wanted to become wealthier, healthier, wiser, or just have more time to appreciate the finer things in life? On this show, we reveal what high performers are doing every day to be more successful without sacrificing their personal lives. Early to Rise Radio is sponsored by The Perfect Day Formula. Get your free copy of this game-changing success guide at freeperfectdaybook.com. Now let's get started with today's show. If your business is a dumpster fire or if you are growing a business really fast and you need to become a better leader, I am here today to bring you amazing leadership techniques and answers from Daniel Woodrum, the head coach at Early to Rise, our coaching program. I'm Craig Valentine from Early to Rise University and Daniel is a father of three and some of his parenting advice is gonna lead over to leadership, but it's gonna change your business. Awesome, so Daniel, three kids, how old are they? Five years old, three, and three months old. Now, what's it like having a three-month-old added to the mix? It's a game changer. Now it's his own defense instead of man-to-man, so it's been a big difference. The one to two was harder, or two to three was harder? I actually think one to two was harder, to be honest with you. And I think that's because our son Banks has been the problem child so far. Okay. And uh, our third, Bellamy, our daughter, it's just been she's been super easy it's been so far a very smooth how do you guys arrange working from home you know because you work from home your wife works from home how do you guys arrange that in the house uh you know with kids noise and all that sort of stuff yeah i mean we just plan ahead it's like Brittany knows that i'm an early riser so i'll go get work done in the morning time while the kids are still sleeping or if they get up she'll take care of them and then in the middle of the day our kids go to our school now um so during the day we've got a little bit more freedom now but with our daughter i'll watch bellamy while Britt gets some work done whether it's in her guest house or she'll go to the coffee shop down the street okay we're just playing and prepare just like you know like you would in business yeah absolutely so how has being a father made you a better leader you know because you've run fit body boot camps head coach in our business a father at home how does being a parent or dad you know make you a better leader yeah it's a good question i think a couple things come to mind one is being more selfless My, some people might find this hard to believe i'm a very selfish person only child uh raised by a single mom mm-hmm. she had her own business so she actually was she worked a lot so she was gone so i always kind of did things on my own on my own time didn't have to share with anybody and uh that translated, unfortunately, I guess, to my adult life. And then after having kids, anybody that has kids knows that 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 changes right immediately. Sure. So I've had to be a lot more selfless in terms of caring for my kids, putting my kids first. And so I think that's translated my business where now I've realized like I need to put my team first. I need to make sure that I take care of my team. Doesn't mean I don't take care of myself, right? I still need to fill my bucket up, but making sure that I take care for my team, make sure that I ask them the right questions. I know what are their goals, right? What do they want in life? What's most important to them? What really drives them? And that's helped me become a better leader in the business. So what what have been the areas which were the hardest for you to go from kind of doing whatever you want, whenever you want, wherever you want to being you know, first of all, a parent, but then also a leader in the Fit Body Boot Camps. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's just getting more clarity on what's most important to me, right? Like, perfect example, going to the gym, right? Like, I used to go to the gym hour, hour and a half a day. I love fitness. I would do a couple of workouts per day. When I had kids, I'm like, all right, taking care of myself is still a priority, but I need to manage that a lot better, right? So now it's like I go to the gym and it's only a 30-minute workout. Um, so I've had to shift my priorities and make sure now that my kids are my top priority. And I still focus on what's most important to me, but I have to better manage it. Okay, so let's step back and 
talk about leadership. How do you define what leadership actually is? Yeah, it's a good question. I've had a couple people ask me that. I don't think I've ever been able to come with a clear definition, but three words come to mind when I think of leadership. So adaptability, accountability, and empathy. And so with adaptability, I think every effective leader needs to be able to adapt. So whether it's adapting to technology, adapting to industry trends, adapting to maybe things that you once didn't think that you needed to do in your business, but now you do because it's a different season of your business. And I also think it's important to be able to adapt to your team, right? Like I think sometimes leaders think, oh, well, it's my way, my team members need to adapt to the way that I do things, the way that I want things to be done. And while I definitely think that's, there's certainly truth to that, I had the, what I call a chameleon type of leadership where I want to adapt to my team members. So I want to adapt to their personality. Again, what drives them? How do they like to be praised? How do they like to be criticized, right? Like what type of feedback do they need? And so I think being able to adapt your leadership is extremely important because that's going to drive everybody into one mission that's going to help them feel more cared for. So let's just stick on the adaptability here for a second and coach, because I know that you have some clients that their businesses have to change. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe what do you do when somebody is resistant to change, when they're frustrated by the fact that, oh, it can't go on forever just being the old way? How do you help them through that phase? Because I, I know there's a couple of people that you're really helping with right now. Yeah, it always goes back to your values and your vision, right? Like one of the first exercises we have our clients do is what do you want the next five years to look like, right? And so it's like, okay, this is your values and your vision, but right now you're off track, right? And maybe that track worked at one point, but now we need to course correct. We need to reset our intention or action step the values and the vision still stays the same, but the actual path and the course to get there is different now. So I think it's just helping them understand that. Okay, so they understand that, but sometimes they still don't take action or they're still a little resistant. What what else do you have to do to their mindset? And, or is it just deadlines and getting them to step up? Because I know that, again, I just know that we've had conversations about some of our clients that they are working through that. So is there anything else that you've been able to do for them? Yeah, I think it's just, okay, so we want to get from point A to point Z. What's point B? What's point C? So it's like that next step, right? What's that next action step, that next win, that next momentum, right? That gets you belief. Like, okay, this is actually working. This is the track that I should be on, right? So it's just getting that belief through small action steps that are specific and timely and then moving up that ladder. So, And this is kind of goes with the clients who feel like they're in a really big hole, even though most of the time they're not. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you help clients who are overreacting to a negative situation? How do you help them adapt and get their minds right and get back on track? Yeah, I think it's the, the three C's of adversity, right? Control what you can, cope with what you can't, and concentrate on what counts. And that's, to me, Craig, you've taught me a lot of different formulas and methods over the years. That's had the greatest impact on my life, both personally and in my business. And I think that's had probably the greatest impact on my client's life as well. Okay, so all three kids are sick <laughs> and uh, you know they, they wake up at the same time, you wanna go to the coffee shop, Brittany's not feeling great, How do you use the 3C formula in that situation to make it through the day when you had like this plan of being super productive that day? Yeah, so it's like, okay, so control what I can, right? So what I need to control is I need to control taking care of my kids, right? That's one of the one thing that I can control, okay? cope on what I can't control. Well, I cannot control that they got up in the morning time, right? I can't control necessarily that I couldn't go to Starbucks. So like, okay, coping with that right now, my number one priority is taking care of my kids and then concentrating on what counts. And it's just, again, being there for my kids and knowing, hey, Brittany, my schedule needed to change some, okay? So I'm gonna take care of the kids this morning. When they get off to school, if we can just shift our schedule around, if you can take care of Bellamy for the next hour and a half, let me go get some work done. I'll come back and then I'll relieve you. Okay, so I 
I, you know, cause I'm experiencing this right now is that I had this day with all these things I thought it was going to get done. And now 75% of them are not, and I'm working through it, but how do you reset from that? What do you say to yourself? What do you say to clients? What would you say to me where, listen, man, like, you know, obviously that's going to be pushed off till later, but how, how do you get people past, like, hang on to that? So it's one day out of seven days. That's the way I look at it, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's one day. Okay. Yes. My one day got off track. I didn't get this done, but in totality in the next week, because I know that I'm so disciplined that I will be able to make up for that in a week totality. Okay, great. So we had adaptability was the first phase mm -hmm. of leadership. You know, every leader must be able to adapt to the situation. They need to be able to adapt to their team. They need to be able to adapt to different trends in the industry. What was the second one? Yeah, so accountability. I think accountability in your business is huge. I think you need accountability with your employees. You need accountability with your management or your leadership team. And you need accountability in a lot of cases with your clients or customers, depending on your business. And you need accountability as a leader as well. And a lot of people ask me like, well, how do you get accountability? How do you create a culture of accountability? And I think the first thing is making sure that you have clear expectations for your entire team, for your entire organization, and a clear line of communication. And I'll, from my experience, both early on in my career and working a lot of coaching clients is that they don't have clear expectations. And it's like, well, how do you get clear expectations? Like I've got these employees. I don't know what that looks like. It's like, just start so basic. What is the definition of success of X employee in that position, right? Like write out what are the key responsibilities that I need them to accomplish in order to be successful in that position? Just bullet point those out and then just put specifics under that, right? And then it's like a matter of like, okay, how do we actually measure that? What are, how can we measure that to make sure that they're staying on track and then what's the accountability meaning the lines of communication the consequences if you will if they do not hit those goals so if someone comes to you and they have a team of five uh, they've got a business they got a sales process that's working but even though there's cash in the bank the business is a mess and the first step it sounds like okay well let's talk about those five team members let's do that bullet points of everything that exists what are the right lines of communication for somebody who has no you know essentially like no communication maybe they just tell everybody what to do what's the next step in getting that accountability yeah i i always say think big start small i think some people don't have a, a lot of communication like okay well i'm gonna start doing this 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 and it's just overkill for you and your team member that's a massive change right so it's like let's just start let's think big and start small. So instead of, if you're not having any communication right now, let's just do a weekly team meeting. Let's just start with a weekly team meeting or a one-on-one -on -one meeting once per week, right? Let's let that system go for a month, for two months, see what it's like. Can we add some more communication after that? To me, it's easier to add as opposed to taking away. So I like the whole philosophy of think big, start small when it comes to communication. So what would somebody's team meeting look like if they have five, five, maybe 10 employees and they have had never had a team meeting prior to that? How do you herd all the cats into this meeting and how do you get this in a setup so that it doesn't lead to like a three hour meeting? How, how do we make sure that this is actually a good meeting? Great question. So one is you need to have a very clear agenda. So like with Early to Rise, we just have a Google Doc that's very clear. It's the same format every single time we run that weekly staff meeting. I suggest that you have a, a, a company, an opening message, you feel right? Get a, like a rally cry behind everybody, right? Like, hey guys, here's the results. Here's the impact that we've made this week in the business. Then you're gonna go down and have 
everybody share what was their success for the week? What were their what were their priorities or their KPIs? What do they need to get done that week in order to have a successful week? And the one thing credit you taught me many years ago, which is the most powerful thing is who does what by when, right? So everyone is very clear by the end of that message. What is their responsibility and how are they going to accomplish that before the end of the week? All right. So let's slow that down, break it down again. Yep. So you as the leader start off with message that everybody rallies behind. Yes. So let's say that I own a real estate company mm-hmm. and I have six agents. What would I probably say in that message? Yeah. Hey guys, so this past week we're able to sell five houses. Our goal was three. We actually we exceeded that. So we sold five houses this week, which is awesome. If you want to give a specific shout out to a specific agent, hey, this agent sold two homes this week. That's the first time that's ever been done in our company, whatever it may be. So something like that where you can... What's the power of having that specific recognition for yeah. individuals? Yes. I well, One is I think it helps them feel really good, right? And they want to work harder for you to be recognized. And I always like to say what gets recognized gets repeated. So it's not just about recognizing somebody or something, but being very specific on what that recognition is for and why it's important for the company or for that person. Okay. So before we get into the rest of the meeting, what's your take on when somebody needs to be corrected? Is that something that we would do the same way, like in front of everybody? Or is that something that we do privately? And how do we correct somebody? Um, And let's just say like they made a a well-meaning mistake or they forgot something, not that they were you know, super negligent or really, really bad. Like they were mm-hmm. trying to sabotage or anything. That's a, probably a different message. But if somebody made a mistake, how do we correct that and make sure it doesn't happen? In yeah, the great question. I think one is it's reading the room. I do think there's times where you could give somebody constructive feedback if it's for the betterment of the company and everybody involved, right? If there's a teaching lesson in there that you feel could benefit everybody. But then also like I know for myself, I've had some employees in the past in my gym business that I knew from experience that they did not handle public criticism very well, right? So yeah. you want to do that in private. Now, in terms of how do you give feedback if somebody just made an honest mistake, I think first it's taking extreme ownership. Hey, you know what? I clearly did, did not do a good enough job of explaining to you, you know, how this should be done and why it's important. So for that, that's on me. But moving forward, we need to make sure and then lay down the action step. So it's not just about you pointing the finger at them. It's like pointing the finger at you saying, hey, I made a mistake. This is my responsibility. So I'll take ownership of that. But moving forward, this is how this needs to be done to make sure that mistake doesn't happen again. Okay. So back to the meeting then we have this rallying cry and then you said everybody shares their success story. So what would that look like? You know, again, team of real estate agents, what are they saying there? Because I think a lot of people like, what do you mean share a success story? Yeah, it could be. So, Hey guys, I had, uh, you know, I had an open house last week. I was able to, you know, do this new marketing strategy. We had this big sign in the front yard that said open house, you know, free drink inside. And it was able to draw in a lot of people. So something like that, that can just be very specific. That's something that they would be proud of. Exactly. That it would be proud of. Okay. And then we actually, do we go through those people one by one? Yes. It's best, especially if you have five people on, just go through them one-on-one. Each person has a chance to share. And then we go on to talking about, Hey, these are the numbers I was supposed to meet. You know, whether it was this many people at an open house or this many open houses or whatever it was. And then about going forward about what I'm going to do. Yeah. What are your two or three priorities for the week? I think one of those things that we made on in our agenda is that we had people just list out the to-do list for the week, just two or three priorities. What are the two or three priorities that need to be done that week that will make it a successful week for that person? in that position. Okay. 
And then what, like, do you have a general discussion in the meeting as well? People want to bring stuff up? Yeah, typically you have a discussion section and ideally you want to fill out ahead of time so that way everyone can prepare for it. You know, hey guys, uh, we're having an issue with, you know, a, a client application form. So we're going to talk about it and you can list out some bullet points and talking points. So that way, once you start the meeting, everyone is prepared. So it's not just, you're not looking at agenda the first time when you hop on, you've looked at it in advance. You need to make sure that your team knows that, hey guys, fill this agenda out 24 hours before our meeting on Tuesday. Make sure also that you look at it ahead of time so that you can be well prepared for the meeting. So we get an effective meeting. Okay. So that's part of the accountability that we have there. Is there anything else in the accountability? We've got the team meeting, we've got accountability of the leader to themselves, the leader to the team members. Was there anything else that's really important in the leadership aspect with relating to the accountability? Yeah, I mean, I think, and this is a little bit off top, a little bit off the accountability, but you have a weekly team email, Craig, and I have had so many clients implement this and it's been a game changer. So you send yours at Early Rise every Wednesday. I send mine in the gym business every Friday. Oh, the weekly team email? Yes, the weekly team email, yeah. And it's just a, it's an email. It kind of takes the meeting that you had and it's just in a written format and it's just highlighting the wins for the week of the company. You can shout out somebody specifically if you like. Here's what we have for the upcoming week and then some sort of client or customer testimonial. So that way everyone can feel like they're involved. It's just another great form of communication with your team. Got it. Okay, so we had the accountability and the adaptability. Yep. What was the third phase of leadership? Empathy. Definition? Empathy. Empathy, okay. Yeah, and I just think this is important because so many of your staff members are going through a lot of things, right, in their personal life. And while I think it's important to hold people accountable and they have a job to do, I also think it's important to be empathetic towards what, what's going on in their personal life. And that's why I think it's important to have conversations, learn about their family, right? Learn about their lifestyle. And that way, if an issue comes up, you can help them through that, but you can also be empathetic and be there for them to help them through that personal decision, that personal issue that they're having. So walk me through a real world example where, you know, somebody maybe was breaking up with her girlfriend or boyfriend or, you know, death in the family or something where being empathetic made it better. And then, you know, maybe give an example of when you were younger and not so great at it that, you know, blew up in your face. Yeah. Well, it's actually, maybe start with that. Yeah. Well, and it's funny you said the relationship thing because uh, one of our coaches at our gym business, Maggie had gone through a breakup. Uh, this was about eight months ago. And I heard from some clients that she was like, Hey, Maggie's not been the same on the gym floor. Like, I don't know what's going on, but she's just not been as energetic. She's not seemed like she's as present there. And so I actually reached out to her. Hey, Maggie, like I'm concerned that something might be going on that I don't know about, uh, you know, I heard uh, through some clients that you just didn't seem like you were yourself. Is everything okay, right? And that's when she actually picked up the phone and said, hey, can I call you? So she called me on the phone and we just had a conversation. Said, yeah, I just broke up with my boyfriend of two years. I just am in a really tough spot right now. So I said, hey, I completely understand. Do you feel like right now that you can still coach at your best ability or do you need to take some time off? She's like, no, I think I can still, I, I can still coach. I just need to get that off my chest, right? And so that was just being a little bit more empathetic toward, towards her. And I did give her a couple of shifts off over the next couple of weeks just to be very sensitive to the situation. Okay. All right. And then, so for someone who's not empathetic naturally, how do they develop that talent? Yeah, that's a really, skill set. yeah, I mean, that's a really great question. Again, I think it just comes down to communication. I think it's hard to be empathetic when you don't know what's important to your staff members, right? Like again, when you don't know what's important to them, what drives them, what motivates them, everyone's motivated by different things. Some people are motivated by freedom. Some people are motivated by money. Some people are motivated by recognition. So just having a more clear understanding of what is important to them allows you to develop that skill set of being more empathetic because you know exactly right what makes them tick. Okay, so there's a lot of different styles of leadership, you know, top down and you know being the boss or servant leadership. You know, those are the like, two extremes. 
what would you describe your leadership as? Yeah, I think it, again, as I said earlier, I think it's just a chameleon type of leadership. I have an incredible ability, I feel like, to be able to adapt to different people, to different attitudes, different way of doing things, different forms of communication. And so while I, I think it's important that you don't ever lose the integrity of who you are as a leader, again, I don't expect my team members to mold to the way that, that I'm a leader. I want to adapt to the way that they want to be led by. Okay. And you used the phrase extreme ownership early on. Why is that important and what's that mean to you? Yeah, I think this is probably the biggest factor. Like if I look back at the last, say, 100 clients that I worked with at Early Rise, I think the biggest factor of if people have success or if they don't, if people stay in our program or they end up quitting is taking extreme ownership. So my thing about extreme ownership is I heard this from somebody that always stuck with me is if you're 1% responsible, you're 100% responsible. And so the way that I looked at, look at that is if a team member steals from your business you hired them you're responsible right if the pandemic hits and it wipes out your industry you chose that industry you're responsible right if your flight gets delayed you chose that flight at that specific time at that airport you're responsible for it and i feel like by taking extreme ownership it allows you to go into solution mode instead of problem mode or excuse mode right and the problem is that if you deflect the blame on other people you give them the power and you have that victim's mentality and I think the key that really changes for me for everything was, and you know the story, Craig, a few years ago in our gym business, we had a manager that we ended up ended up stealing a bunch of our clients, yeah. ended up opening up a gym down the road, stealing a bunch of clients. And I was a mess for the first few days. Like I was just, poor me, why me? I can't believe he did this to me. Like, what did I do to, to deserve this? <laughs> and a few days later, I was in the shower, just kind of like all these emotions going through my head. And I realized, I'm like, they don't, you hired this guy, like it's your fault. And you allow these things to happen. So clearly he didn't get what he wanted, what he needed out of your gym, out of your leadership, or else he wouldn't have felt the need to open up a gym down the road. And so it was just like this, this moment of like power. I'm like, you know what? Like, you're right. I was fully responsible for that. So it allowed me to shift my attitude, to shift my mindset. Okay, okay, I'm not, I'm no longer the victim. Now I'm gonna actually, what can I do, right? To grow our business, to get those clients back. So I just started reaching out to those clients, like just not upset that they left, just being very understanding. Hey, just wanna see how things are going. Six months later, the guy's gym didn't work out. He had to shut down. A lot of those clients end up coming back to our gym. Got it. You know, that kind of brings us to the trust thing. And you've, you know, we trust everyone we hire. I mean, that's just the, the nature of you and I in the gym business. Mm -hmm. And a lot of leaders and entrepreneurs say that they don't trust their team members. So they say that they have trust issues. You say that you aren't a leader because you have trust issues. What does that mean? Yeah, so I think when you when I hear someone say, hey, I don't trust my employees, what I hear is, I don't trust myself to properly lead them. I don't trust myself, right, to give them the responsibilities, to give them the SOPs, the KPIs, to have those tough conversations with them when things are not going right. And so to me, it's like, you need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, no, that's that's a you problem. That's not a them problem, right? You need to trust yourself. And to me, how do you gain trust in yourself? Well, again, you need to be very clear on exactly what you want out of your team members, what you want out of your company, and just really lay it all out on the line and then it's just a matter of if they follow those KPIs, those SOPs, you 
that's the trust right there. You built the trust with them. Why is it that they they don't trust their team members? And and if somebody doesn't trust their team member, why why do they even have them still on the team? That's a great question. I think, and I think it's one of those things where if you've been burnt by somebody in the past, it's like, oh, well, everyone's out to get me, right? Like everyone's out. I'm like, no, 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 no. Maybe that person was out to get you, right? But not everybody, not everyone is like that. But I think it's just important to being able to take each situation and isolate that situation on its own and not just have this blanket statement of like, everyone's out to get me. I can't trust anybody in my company. I'm going to bounce back to extreme ownership because I think I didn't ask uh, a specific question, which is how does someone develop extreme ownership? Because I'm sure that every client that has come in and you say, if somebody sticks around and is successful in business, Mm -hmm. they have extreme ownership. Did they have that naturally in them? Or are you able to help somebody develop that? And if so, how do you develop that in somebody? Yeah, I mean, I think I think some people naturally come into our program and, you know, maybe they've read Jocko's book on extreme ownership or they've had practice with it before. But then there are a lot of people that just have never had to take ownership before. And so the one thing that I would say is that when something happens to you, want to say, hey, this didn't happen to you. This happened for me. Right. And then also, this is my fault because dot, 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 fill in the blank. Like, I think that's the most important thing to just write out. This is my fault because. And again, once you write that statement out, again, it allows you to go in solution mode instead of deflecting blame mode. Okay. So you've helped some people for some really bad spots, like, you know, employee revolts, you know, business going bankrupt. You've turned them around. Some of those people, you know, what they really need to do, first of all, before they turn around the machinery of the business is, is the machinery of the mind. What are your secrets? Because I've seen you do some absolute amazing mental transformations for people that I, look, I looked at it and I went, well, I feel bad, you know, giving you this situation, Daniel, it's impossible, but you actually turn the impossible into possible. So how do you help people through the worst? Yeah. So I think number one is letting them know, and this is, it seems so simple, but they're not alone. You talk a lot about Entrepreneur Island, right? And it's like, Hey, like you're not alone. Like there are other people that have been through what you're going through. It might be a little bit different, right? But the scenario a lot of times is often the same and they've been able to overcome that. So first of all, like you're not alone. You've got the support system in us at early rise that will be able to help you get out of this. Another thing that I always tell people is if they're in the dumps, it's like, what is one win that you can accomplish today? Like what is just one small win that you can accomplish? I actually had a call with a client named Jeannie today that, you yeah. know, Craig. And uh, again, she's going through a lot of stuff right now, a lot of struggles and obstacles. And I said, do you ever go golfing? She's like, yeah, I go golfing. I was like, are you a good golfer? She's like, no, I'm like, I'm not either. I said, but you always, every time I go golfing, when I play around in golf, I had that one shot that makes me come back the next time. Like I had that one good shot. It's like, what's that one small win what's that one small thing that you can do today that's going to get you to come back tomorrow right show up tomorrow like just show up put yourself in a position to win and succeed and good things will eventually start to happen for you okay so you really have to get that mindset around one victory and then just building the momentum and motivation off it yeah and then also like take care of yourself as well like oftentimes in business right like we're always trying to take care of everybody else take care of yourself right now we always talk about earlier like get up do your most important task for the first hour absolutely still believe in that but you've got to be able to fill your bucket up as well you got to be able to take care of yourself as well and what i find is that most people most entrepreneurs they don't take care of themselves and that just bleeds in their business what are the easiest things that somebody can do to take care of themselves if they're really like if they're they're very low in the self-care mm-hmm. um 
category. What are some of the things that are going to give them quick victories that are going to make them feel better that they're going to be able to parlay into something? Yeah, better? great question. Gratitude journal. You know, when you wake up, what are three things that you're grateful for? Mm-hmm. Go for a walk. You've heard me say a lot, especially like micro walks, like take a 15 minute walk when the sun comes out. It just, I don't, it just does something to you. It just puts you in a good mood. Mm-hmm. I always say you can't be in a bad mood. You can't be in stress when you're walking outdoors. Like I truly believe that. So gratitude journal, take a walk. And then also to do something that you enjoy every single day. Maybe it's playing the guitar. Maybe it's, even if it's playing a video game for a few minutes, you have to have the discipline about it, but do something that you enjoy every single day. Okay. And then what's this 11 out of 10 hat all about? And how does, <laughs> how does this play into, you know, coming back from tough spots and also playing to your leadership? Yeah, great question. So the way that I view 11 out of 10 is 10 out of 10 is meeting expectations, right? And to me, it's like, we don't want you to just meet expectations. We want you to go above and beyond expectations, right? That could be in your marriage. That could be in your business. That could be your personal health. 11 out of 10 just means go above and beyond, right? 10 out of 10 is meeting expectations. We want to go above and beyond that. All right. So we've covered a lot here and uh, hopefully not putting anybody in the position (laughs) of overwhelmed of of where they are as a leader and where they want to get to with this information they provided. What are some of the quick start things that you would recommend? Let's maybe break it down in categories. So somebody who's a beginner, you know, they've all of a sudden found themselves a leader of five people, maybe three people, maybe seven people, way more people than they thought they'd ever lead and they just are overwhelmed by it. Mm -hmm. What are the first two things that they need to do? Yeah, so first of all, I would say, I actually want you to write out your five-year vision because there's a strong chance they don't have a five-year vision. Okay. What do you want your business to look like in five years, right? And go ahead and write it out like you've already accomplished it. You know, it's it's December 24th, 2028. We're at our holiday party at my home. We've got 15 of our employees here. We just had a record-breaking year of $15 million. We also were just able to donate 5,000 toys for toys for tots. Like, just write it out as clear as possible. And that is going to, then you're off you're going to want to share that with your team as well. And that's just going to get everybody on the same page, make sure that everyone's rowing in the same direction. Okay. So that'd be one thing. Another thing is if you're overwhelmed, I would say, let's just start with that weekly meeting. Like okay. just start with that weekly meeting. Use that agenda that we talked about, set a date, set a time, let your staff know about it. It might be a little bit messy at first. That's okay. Just take a perfect action on it. What about for the leader that has been doing this for a long time and has nothing in place and has been more of a boss than a leader and maybe they have 15 employees. They've never really done a weekly meeting. It's always just been that boss kind of micromanaging everybody and saying, okay, Joe, you're going to do this. And Sally, you're going to do this. No feedback. And, you know, they've had like a Ebenezer Scrooge type movement where they're like, no, I got to change my life here. What are the things that they should implement first? Yeah. So I'm going to give you an acronym for feedback. I call it FREAK. So I want you to be a feedback freak. So that stands for frequent feedback, real time feedback. Don't just give feedback at the quarterly quarterly evaluations. Get feedback in real time. Extreme ownership, accepting, make sure that you're accepting a feedback from your staff members and then condition them, teach them how to accept feedback on their ends. Okay. And then the K stands for kill the issue. So meaning like if you're giving constructive feedback, whatever that issue is, kill it as quickly as you can through clear action steps and accountability on the back end. Okay, break that down again one more time, just the the acronym. Yeah, so feedback freak. So frequent, real time, 
taking extreme ownership, as I said earlier, hey, you know what, perhaps I didn't do a good job explaining this for that, for that, that's my fault, but moving forward, here's what we need to do. Yeah. A is for accepting, so accepting the feedback. Like this is not a criticism on you, it's just a criticism on what we're doing, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And then K is kill the issue as quickly as possible. Okay, so they become a feedback freak, and then what's the second thing that they should do in that situation? Yeah, so the second thing that you need to do is, I also think it's important to ask feedback from your staff members. Like you do a really good job, Craig, of it, whether it's in the weekly team email, or weekly staff meetings is asking feedback, whether it's asking feedback on a, a, certain, a certain marketing thing, whether it's asking for feedback on a YouTube video that you shot, it could just be feedback. Hey guys, this is the area that we're currently struggling with. I would love your feedback on how do you feel like we can make this better? And so asking for feedback as a leader, I think is extremely important as well. Okay. And then the third type of leader, someone who is in an absolute dumpster fire. You know? <laughs> so everything's going wrong. Business is, you know, almost falling off a cliff, but they're not quitting on it and they want to turn it around. What are the, like the two or three most important action steps that they need to take and implement as a leader in their business? Yeah. So again, first thing I would say is, and I think this is important, not just for you, but for your staff members is condition your staff members to do a gratitude journal in the morning time. Like I think it's important that because if your business is struggling, your staff feels that they see it, they know what's going on. They might not know the numbers, but they can see what they can, they know what's going on. So I would just say, have everybody do a gratitude journal, like encourage them to do a gratitude journal and tell them the reasons why it's important and how it could help them. Them. Yeah. I would also say is I would actually just call what I call like an emergency meeting, if you will, right? Or as a state of the union, you know, hey guys, I know there's been a lot going on right now and schedule that meeting out and just give them, hey guys, we have had a rough patch, but moving forward, here's the action plan that I see us getting through this. It's like a rallying cry to get everybody behind you, be very specific, who does what by when type of thing like that. And then the third thing I would say is uh, just regular more communication overall. So whether that's like a weekly team email, I would recommend them starting a weekly team email. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. So you've been a gym owner for 12 years. You've owned and operated four gyms. Now you've served, you've had, man, how many people have you hired? Oh, I mean, 100? Wow. Probably. Yeah, I'd say between the four gyms. That's crazy. Okay. And now, in, you know, obviously a leadership role here early to rise as the head coach. If you could go back and give advice to, how old are you now? I'm 36. Okay. So let's say you go back 15 years when you're 21 and you're just starting out. Maybe you're still in school or whatever, but you're eventually going to become a leader. What words of wisdom would you say to that young man? Ooh, good question. Uh, really good question. So I think I would first say that enjoy the process. You know, they say like parenting, right? Like the days are long, but the years go by fast. I think the same thing is true in entrepreneurship. Like some of those days are a freaking grind, you know, 11, 12, 13 hours per day, especially when you're just starting out, it's going to suck in the moment, but just appreciate the moment. Know that, you know, you always taught me, Craig, like this too shall pass. Tough times will pass if you just keep going, if you just keep showing up. So I'd say one is enjoy the process, enjoy the good and the bad. I would also say, I would tell that 24 year old Daniel, like remember the three C's of adversity. I'll say them again, control what you can, cope with what you can't, concentrate on what counts. Well, he didn't know them. So he, he didn't know those, right? <laughs> and then the third thing that I would say is that uh, hire people that are smarter than you. Okay. Because I know when I first started out, maybe it was an ego thing, maybe I just didn't know any better at 24, but I just hired 
I hired people that I felt like I was smarter than so I could control them, if that makes sense. And again, it wasn't maliciously. That's just, I didn't know any better. And so now through the last 12 years of experience, I've realized like hire people that are smarter than me, especially in certain positions and certain areas of the business that I might not be as equipped to handle as they would. And what I think that does in terms of hiring A players is one, it obviously is going to help you grow your business, but it's going to force you to be a better leader because the expectations are higher on their end as well as A players coming into your well, business. Well, that's why I hired you, man. <laughs> make sure that we had an amazing uh, leader on our team and helped me become a better leader. And I yes. appreciate what you've done. So thank you so much, Daniel. You are the head coach of our coaching program here at Early to Rise. And if people want to follow you on Instagram. Yeah, Daniel underscore Lee underscore Woodrum. Awesome. Uh, any other way to get a hold of you that would work? Daniel at CraigBallantine.com. Awesome. Email me. Yeah, if you have leadership questions, please send them in. We yep. would love to hear from you just so that we make better content in the future. Absolutely. And uh, awesome, dude. So everybody, this is how you are going to improve your leadership. I'm Craig Ballantyne from Early to Rise Radio. Make sure that you go and hit me up on Instagram at RealCraigBallantyne. And send me your leadership questions if you want me to pass them on to Daniel. And understand that no matter where you are in the leadership journey, that having the vision for the future is super mm -hmm. important. Having that clear communication strategy, the weekly team email and the weekly meeting. You know, some people prefer one or the other. And then just having empathy and talking to your individual team members, knowing what matters for them. Being a leader... It's simple, but not easy, Daniel. Amen. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. But it's obviously just being good human. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And a good parent. And a good parent. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. So if you have any parenting questions, go to Daniel, uh, message him because he has more kids than I do. So I'll always go to him. He's a couple of steps ahead of me. I'm good at changing diapers. In the leadership and, and the uh, parenting and fatherhood. Awesome, Daniel. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it.